Building Years Podcast with Justin Alexio and Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Building Years, guys. This is Jeremiah Watkins. This is Justin Alexio. And I cannot tell you how excited I am for today's episode. You uh, always say this. No, but this one, I really, really mean it. Okay. Uh, uh, today on the program, uh, one of my best friends joins us. You uh, always also say this? That's a lie. <laughs> I definitely don't say that. <laughs> but uh, uh, this guy, he um, he's written for uh, The Burn on Comedy Central. He writes for a lot of the roasts. Um, he's got an amazing podcast on the Death Squad Comedy Podcast Network called Kill Tony. Please welcome our friend Tony Hinchcliffe to oh, the program. Oh, you just introduced me right then. I see what you did yeah. there. This is the part where I'm part of the thing now. <laughs> got the cool intro, sound effects. It's the podcast time every <laughs> Wednesday. Listen. And then you do the talking thing, and then you say, you always say that, and then you said my name. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, like we're, a show it's format. Like we're, it's like we're going over, like, what a podcast is right now. That's so strange. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me. Justin, hell yeah, I love this. Uh, I love your guys' studio. It's so cozy. Uh, <laughs> it's so cozy. I, I could almost, uh, you could I almost, could almost crash uh, on a bed. Yeah, I could almost fall asleep right there in the bed next to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I'm also really excited about. One of the one of the reasons why I'm why I'm extra excited today is because uh, Tony's mom is actually in the room. Joy Hinchcliffe. Yes. Do you want to say hi, Joy? Say hi, Joy. Hi, Joy. Oh, oh. she's got that wacky wow. sense of humor, guys. She's got she's got that that good old Hinchcliffe sense of humor. Heck yeah, just I mean, unbelievable. The karaoke <laughs> queen of Youngstown, Ohio, Joy Hinchcliffe. She is really something else. I picked her up from the airport yesterday at LAX, um, and it started immediately. I'm driving around <laughs> in circles. She's not coming out. I call her. She says, some guy is directing me to the exit. I'm like, you have a guy directing you <laughs> yeah. to the exit out of LAX. Run like, away. Only 500,000 people know how to exit LAX every <laughs> single day, and she's got a guy directing her out. Some guy with orange sticks from the runway. That's amazing. But, um, so, Joy, what is your what is your go-to karaoke song? Good question. Oh, good question. Well, uh, I don't really don't remember. What did I used to sing? Blue Bayou. No, you used to sing Joy to the World. The fishes and, and Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Oh, there you go. Yes. See wow. Yeah. Brings it full circle. See Some what weird callback just happened. Yeah, I like it. Exactly. A callback to a joke that hasn't even been made yet. <laughs> That's comedy. That's hardcore comedy. When you're making callbacks to things that haven't even been established yet. <laughs> it's it's big time. You know you're big time. You're the it. Jeremiah. <laughs> Wait, I am the bullfrog. She's Joy. Joy Jeremiah. Yep. I just wow. wish one of our names was Bullfrog. <laughs> <laughs> this would be, it would be the whole song. So, do you? Do, would you, Tony? Would you say you get your sense of humor from your mom? Oh yeah, and definitely. like her, uh, your mom, like your, uh, your mom's side of the family. Uh, Joy, would you say are they a bunch of jokesters? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. My dad's side of the family, no jokes at all. Very it's serious. Just very serious. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, all the jokes are on my mom's side. No doubt about that. In fact, I'm surprised my dad's lack of sense of humor doesn't make me just break even. <laughs> because You're just a completely normal. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just like a, the librarian, Tony Hinchcliffe. <laughs> well, my mom is truly hilarious. However, my father, real stiff. 
Uh, when did you uh, when did you get into uh, comedy? When did you kind of know that you wanted to be a comedian? Well, you know, I was always a goofball in the classroom, and I was always getting in trouble a lot. And, um, you know, I think uh, it was the summer between eighth grade and freshman year of high school in which uh, the movie Man on the Moon came out. Okay. With Jim Carrey, yeah. who I was obsessed with at the time. Like, I would, a lot of the time, I would sit on the edge of her bed and we would watch In Living Color, which mm. was a big mm. one for me when I was a kid. And so Jim Carrey was obviously turning into the super duper. I mean, it was already the first, like, 20 million or 30 million a movie guy. I mean, it was out of control. And I saw the previews for Man on the Moon. I was going to see every movie he was coming out with, even though a lot of people were starting to, you know, there was sort of a turn in his career at one right. point where people were like, oh, is he taking on too much? But I was obsessed. <laughs> and uh, Man on the Moon, when I learned that Andy Kaufman, you know, there was just parts in the beginning of that movie that really reflected silly areas of my life. Him putting on a TV show to the wall in his bedroom and, wrestling and all those things it was just like whoa wait a second what did this guy end up doing because this is what i've been doing yeah as a kid so like i was wrestling with my pillow on the bed i was doing my own tv show to nobody for what was no it called recording. i don't really i don't really remember that part that much i don't really know i think it would change a lot and i also think that i was doing basically my own version of the late show like I think it's a late <laughs> show with tony hinchcliffe <laughs> That's all I knew. I don't even think I was creative enough to come up with my own <laughs> Just format. Right. Finding someone else's. Yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> Let him inspire. They hire a thirteen-year-old to take his place. Now, when you now, uh, Joy, when when Tony was in high school and and middle school, what kind of what kind of guy was Tony? Was he was he a ladies' man? Was he was he a uh, was he uh, more on the the nerdy side? What what kind of uh, as a mom? I, I mean, like what what Never would you say? Nerdy. Never nerdy. Never nerdy. Yeah. Too cool for school. Absolutely too cool for school. <laughs> <laughs> I worked in the office at the high school. Yes. Oh really? Yeah. Would need, you have to send to say, him to the principal? Uh, no, he got sent to me <laughs> yeah. from all the teachers. But uh, no, he was. Awesome. No, I'd get sent to the principal, and she'd be in there like stapling papers and stuff, just giving me this look of "you're gonna die" <laughs> <laughs> from oh. across the office. But she wouldn't be able to say that, you know. She's right. playing it cool in front of yeah. all the other office ladies. Just but like, you're just the fucking. <laughs> As soon, as soon as we get in the car, yeah, Tony. exactly. It is it's like over. In, uh, in the original Teen Wolf movie when Michael J. Fox is trying to buy the keg of beer, and he's like, "You're not 21, kid." And Michael J. turns into a wolf a little bit. And he's like, <laughs> "Give me a keg of beer." <laughs> His eyes turn red. Yeah, that's what she would do. She would turn into a wolf. Wolf but, lady, wolf mom, <laughs> wolf mom. So, yeah. were you afraid to get sent, or were you like, "I got it in, I'm good"? Oh no, no. I was always. It's not that I was afraid to get sent. It's just that I mean, I wasn't afraid. It was just annoying yeah. how often I would be yeah. there. This is more of a hassle. You're like again. Yeah. Was, Come on, I'm being brilliantly funny in class yeah, right no, now. No, and it's true. And that yeah. was, and that was sort of exactly the situation. Like even kids in the class, when I'd get sent to the office, other kids would be like, oh, come on, he's just being funny. Like It's like they were all on my side. And that's really what I was doing was I was just trying to ease the... I mean, I couldn't do that now. You know, we're not yeah. nine-to-five guys, and I wasn't nine-to-five then either. So they're trying to put me in this format where it's like, what are you talking... You just woke me up at 7 o'clock for this crap. Yeah. Some guy talking and whatever. Some <laughs> fat lady in front of a bunch of people just yapping about... Of predicates and whatever it's like come on 
We need, we need to get through this crap. So I, I have no regrets. And I look at it the same way now. Like, it's just like, that's why, like, hopefully one day, my goal, like, when you, you hear about celebrities giving, like, scholarships and stuff, like, I'd love yeah. to be, create a scholarship to find, like, the rug rat in the room that just likes making people laugh and give him, you know, something because there's nothing. That person's always told that they're being a bad kid. Yeah. It's not like, hey, you should go to a comedy club and see if you can see if you can actually make something right. out of this because yeah. a lot of a lot of times what's funny about class clowns is they're either very smart Mm-hmm. Or not at all. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, yeah. the reason why they're acting up is like they hate school and they they don't know how else to act. So it's like, eh, this is dumb. And then they start making jokes. Right. But then there's people in your case <laughs> where they're very smart and they're mm-hmm. they're bored with the format. Oh yeah. Of it because uh, you know, and then you go on. What's funny is you end up writing for so many different TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure your teachers are like, I want, uh, like, do you think your teachers now would be like? they would have saw that coming or, or do you think they're surprised? I that? think a couple would have, there was a couple that were on my side that, yeah. uh, that totally would have totally would be bragging to all the other teachers. Cause I have to be the only person that I know of classes above me or below me out of that big high school. That's in the writer's guild. Have, yeah. Have to be. Yeah. And they have all their, you know, it's a college prep high school and this and that. So they're like very, they want to brag about these things. And, I heard a statistic that Major League Baseball takes on more baseball players than the Writers Guild takes on writers. Wow. So it's harder to get in the Writers Guild than it is for a baseball player to get in Major League Baseball. That's so, amazing. I n- I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. You do it. You have to. Yeah, it's crazy that what you have to do to get into it. Like you have to get a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what's kind of like the process to get into it? Right. Right. So either you create a TV show that gets picked up for mm-hmm. a long time or you write on a bunch of different tv shows that are going to give you a lot of work like it, it's really really crazy you yeah. have to have like four months at least of writing on a staff so it's that's really hard. really tough. what's what's you will, what's difficult about that too is a lot of people don't realize is like they replace so many people so like so you might get a t like you might get lucky enough uh, or you know put in the work enough to get on like a staff writing position, but then you might get cut like totally. weeks in, like totally. a month in. It happens all the time on right. uh, shows like, especially like Saturday Night Live and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I knew people uh, who they only got on for half a season, and then right. they never. And then you know what I mean? Uh, then, yeah, then they you got to go again. in and you got to own it. There's no learning yeah. period. There's no. Uh, there's no well, they're expecting you to be ready to go once you are. They in want that you room. to yeah. be correcting them. Oh yeah, that's where people go wrong. Is they're like, okay, well that's the boss and that's how it's going to go. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, they want to be checked. Everybody needs to, oh, that's a great idea. Maybe I'm not making the right decision. Everybody wants to make a hit. Right. Because they know that if it gets canceled, everybody's out of work. Yep. Or so, if the ratings are down, they don't advertise it as hard or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you start as a writing assistant? No. No, I went right in. I was uh, I was a staff writer. I wrote a pilot of um, for The Burn for Comedy Central, mm-hmm. and uh, that got picked up, and I was right there. In fact, uh, I started as a writer, and by season two, I was a producer. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. I demanded it. You know, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Cutthroat Tony Hinchcliffe. <laughs> if you're going to go season two with me, I'm a producer. 
Um, this is Hollywood. I need a promotion big time. You're not going to give me a raise. At least give me a cool title. <laughs> He's, he started off as a writer, and then by season two, he was starring, directing, and producing right. the show. Season three, he was the president of all of show business. <laughs> by season four, he was president of the United States. <laughs> and by season five, he was Galactic Universal Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great credit right? on the TV show. Galactic, Galactic Emperor, Tony yeah. Hinchcliffe. Oh, yeah. Man, what a credit. It'll happen someday. <laughs> <laughs> Just if, if you're even messing with people. It's like, mm-hmm. what, is, what is that title? Galactic Emperor. Wow. That Should sounds impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> uh, so what year did you, you, you grew up in Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. Youngstown, Ohio? Yep. Uh, when did you, what year did you come out and uh, uh, start you pretty much dived right into comedy as soon as... Uh, yeah, I, I actually came out and vacationed for a bit. I enjoyed California for about a year or two, just smoking pot, mm-hmm. <laughs> dry, riding my bicycle around town, did a lot of... Re- I would go to the library almost every day and read and mm-hmm. figure stuff out, read what I wanted to read, did a lot of film research, this and that, became obsessed with a lot of different movies and music, even all this stuff. I mean, it was crazy. I was just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing art nonstop because I really didn't get to do that as a kid. That They don't teach you that in Ohio, that it's all right to be an artist yeah. at all. They, they get you ready for a factory job or to Same, be an engineer yeah. or a doctor or whatever. It, Same with Kansas, man. Yeah, they do Absolutely. not tell you that there's any... That they, they make you think drawing makes you a nerd. They make you think being mm-hmm. a musician, you're just wasting your time. And so Joy, what did what did you want him to be? Like growing up, if you had to pick a occupation. Comedy works for me. That yeah? works, yeah. He was always funny from the time he was born. Oh, that's a supportive mother. That's right. From the time I was born, I came out of her vagina <laughs> like, what's the deal with that? <laughs> Man, sure is tight in there. Hello. Very cramped. <laughs> I was just born, and boy, are my arms tired. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the placenta is crazy. <laughs> Amniotic sack. <laughs> we just met. <laughs> Man, I thought airplanes were cramped. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Good Lord. Push a little harder next time, lady. Get me out of there. <laughs> yeah, from the time I was born. I'll, I'm going to use that quote from now on. Right. My mom said I was funny from the time I was born. Right. What's the deal with that? <laughs> Dude, um, so, so what doctor you- slapped me. I slapped him back. <laughs> I said, "No, you don't put your hands on me, doctor." <laughs> Quit touching my mother like that. <laughs> I'm trying to escape out of here. <laughs> Cut that umbilical cord and let me free. <laughs> um, so, what-, what year was that? What, uh, whenever you uh, you spent the first year or two kind of absorbing everything? It was like a. It was off and on. It was a very weird period. From the time that I graduated high school and mm-hmm. the years between I started stand-up, very interesting. Extreme highs and lows, extreme lows, very, yeah. very dark depression, uh, this, that, bad relationship gone wrong. My high school sweetheart you know, moved on. She had a more structured life and this and that, so yeah. we split up and that was different and weird and 
all this stuff. And I was learning that I had an addictive personality in some ways. You know, I was when I got depressed, I would just drink by myself because I had a lot of money because I had a great job in Columbus, Ohio, where I went to college. Mm. And uh, really great job. I was a food runner at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Mm. So I'd make like three or four hundred dollars a night, three or four nights a week. And I had no idea what to do with the money. So I would just buy a liter of Jack Daniels and fine cigars and all those movies and stuff that I was just starting to get into. And I would Mm -hmm. just sit there with a big screen TV and just eat it up. I found Pink Floyd around that time, realized how much I loved pot. There's a (laughs) lot of stuff going on in those years of me uh sort of building it was actually probably a necessary point because it made me really appreciate art and mm-hmm. it made me really look up to artists musicians filmmakers everything and um you know a lot of it was i was getting to watch these stand-up specials for the first time yeah both there in columbus and here when i'd go to the public libraries i would you know find these uh you know george carlin and richard pryor and this and that and just like my mind was just blown i'm trying to figure out what i would do and this and that but so i think it's a necessary part but it was 2007 when i actually started stand up may 2007 at the comedy Mm -hmm. store signed up for the open mic got up was lucky enough to get picked around the end of the lineup had a blast wow great set i think you're probably one of i mean there's not many guys who are at the comedy store or somewhere else that can say they were literally built at the comedy store yeah. from like the ground level. Like this is the first time I did stand up, and then like you've been passed. You're paid regular there now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just headlined La Jolla, uh, which is awesome. Yep. And uh, I mean, that's this is kind of awesome to see that growth over the seven years. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love it. I do it every night, and I just can't get enough of it. And I feel weird if I don't do it. So it's definitely ingrained in me, and I'm very, very happy about it. I love, uh, I love stand-up comedy <laughs> and other forms of comedy. Now, was your mom uh, okay with at what age uh, with the the smoking pot? Was was it ever like? Uh, did you ever find an issue, Joy, or or, or <laughs> yeah. was it? Were you totally like cool with it, uh, or or like as you got did uh, like once he had a certain age, were you like okay, he's old enough now, he can. He can smoke marijuana, whatever, because he, you know, on this podcast, he's been talking pretty freely about it, which in yeah. front of some moms, like people try Might to get backslapped. Yeah, right. right. In front of some moms. In front of some moms. What do you think, mom? Actually, I don't know if I knew about the pot. I knew that all those <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> I knew all those funny cigarettes that you hid between the window and the screen. <laughs> there was something weird about them. Funny cigarettes. That's what she called them. <laughs> funny Even cigarettes. my cigarettes were funny from the time they were born. <laughs> <laughs> this kid was a natural born killer. He blamed him on his girlfriend. He said they were hers. Oh, yeah. And then one night, uh, then one night she went out, which was very rare when I was uh, when I was in high school. She went out and did something. My aunt from Florida was in town. It was insanely strange for my mom to leave the house. And... Um, and I had a little bit of pot in the back of a Teddy Ruxpin. You know how they have the battery pack in the back? And you yeah. unzip it. Well, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do for the first time ever is I'm going to get high by myself. Oh, man. Out of my bedroom window. So I had a little pop can, and I did the thing where you crush the pop can and poke holes. And I smoked all by myself. Cut to 10 minutes later. I'm having my first ever full-blown panic attack <laughs> out of nowhere. 
it's another two hours before she even gets home from whatever she was doing. And I'm just pacing and crying and freaking out. And I confess to her that I smoked a pot. It was in the Teddy Rock stand. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, uh, and I was only like 15 or 16 at the time. But, wow. But she's cool with it. She is. I have four older brothers and sisters that are oh. much, much older than okay. me. So she's like. So she kind of went through the ringer with them first. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. She's still going in the ringer with the other four. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you were at the comedy store for a bit, and uh, you started working there pretty mm-hmm. quickly after uh, you started doing the open mic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, how how long was it before um, you started having people ask you to open for them? Because you've opened for some really cool people. Uh, it wasn't that long, and you know, I think that it's that's sort of one of those things that's like, uh, you know, you'll fulfill that with hoping and stuff because yeah. a lot of my buddies were already opening for people. Mm-hmm. Um, Sandy was opening for Paulie Shore, a good friend of mine, which is like, and when you start stand up and you're that's and you huge. Picture a friend opening up for Paulie Shore, you're just like, what is that? Yeah, like? a guy that you grew up watching, you right. know, all his movies, all that oh stuff. Oh my God, he's a superstar. Yeah. And then my buddy Matt started opening up for Jeff Garland, and it's mm-hmm. like, what? Wow, this is amazing. And then it wasn't long after that that Sam Tripoli had me actually open up for him. My first gig was in La Jolla, where I just headlined for the first time. And um, so I did five minutes there, and uh, that was it. It was up, up, and away from there. I started with Sam. He taught me some stuff that made it so that by the time I was opening for Steve Trevino, he helped me out with some stuff, gave me some advice, so that Mm -hmm. by the time I was opening up for Jeff Ross, I could do that, and he wanted me to open up for him more. And then next thing you know, it's Joe Rogan and Jeff Garland, and now I have a pretty smooth schedule of getting to – open feature for these guys and i've done theaters all around the north america pretty much Uh, seven eight different cities in canada theaters and almost everywhere in america wow big sold out theaters four thousand theaters and i've heard uh with theaters because i've never personally done like a a big theater like that uh i hear that the timing is very different oh yeah very very different you want to explain how that kind of works well it's awesome you know when you when you when you watch those specials that I was talking about, like Richard Pryor and sure. George Carlin, and you see them hit a line and they just hold it, and they're just then they look out in the crowd and the crowd's just losing it, and then, and then the laugh gets bigger because then the audience is like, "Whoa, that was a punchline." They get to really realize, yeah, that was powerful. And if you pause, then all of a sudden everybody's rethinking of exactly what you just said. So even the 20%, 30% that maybe didn't get it when you first said it, they're all like, why is, oh my gosh, that's funny. So yeah. it the theater gives everybody in the audience enough time to get it, A, and B, it uh, it's so big and different that your sound takes a while to get to the back of the room and their sound takes a while to come back. You don't want to step on their laugh, and they don't want to step on your line. So it's sort of like this amazing dance. It's it's like if it's like if uh, performing in a comedy club is like bumping and grinding or yeah. salsa dancing, and and uh, a theater is like a smooth slow dance. Like both styles, if you want to do it right, have to be elegant, and you have to be with your partner yeah. to make it look good. But it's definitely just a little bit slower. But as 
you know, like it, the slow dancing when it's done elegantly and beautifully, it sort of stands out and it's really cool. And I got good at it pretty quick because I asked a lot of questions. Yeah. Like when uh, when I went and did my first theater show with Jeff Ross, which I knew would sort of be like an audition to see because he was about of to course. start a big tour. I asked Ari Shafir uh, what I should know about theater tours, and he told me just take your time. I mean, you can never go too fast, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So even, and I was thinking that literally the entire time that I was out on that stage, and I was still going too fast. That's mm-hmm. how true that really holds, is is I, I could slow it down even more and get even bigger laughs and even funnier stuff. And then you really realize what, why what you're saying is so funny. Because in the clubs, it's just bang, bang, boom, bow, yeah. laugh, motherfuckers, boom, 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 <laughs> boom, just rapid fire. You just come in and try to kill them all as fast and hard as you can. And if you didn't laugh at that part, then you better catch up because another thing's coming around the corner. Whereas yeah. in the theater, it's like, and here is where you laugh now. You know. Yeah, I feel like in the clubs, you're always trying to kind of prove something mm-hmm. and then the theaters yeah. is just assumed because you're in a theater right yeah <laughs> you know? yeah you really like get you're to there own it. for reasons like if you're not laughing you don't get it <laughs> right exactly exactly <laughs> when would you say um I, and i don't know if you've had one of these moments but uh when would you say you've had w- like one of like a breakthrough of something out here with your career where like it almost like brought you to tears or where you just like had that feeling of just like so much excitement where you like didn't know like what to do with it oh my god it happens all the time it happens like once a month i get really excited about things and Mm -hmm. i use that fuel as the next thing i I make everything give me confidence for the next thing um uh i have a lot of them i've had them with on the business side of things Mm -hmm. i've had them on the audition side of things and i've had them with stand-up I have them all the time. Would you say getting past at the store was, I'm sure, one of those? No. No? No. Oh, you were just like, I was this should have been. That. Right. This should have yeah. been. I was, <laughs> this should have happened a while ago. <laughs> uh, uh, when they passed me, I said, congratulations to you guys. Congrats. It's the best decision you guys have made in a really long time. I love that, it. That, that, I love that's, it. That's a crazy thing about this town and not about this town, about just getting better at things is by the time you accomplish what was once a very serious goal. Yeah. You're ready for fucking well, well, that was five one, steps ahead of that. That was that one point. of the things yeah. that I remember whenever we were in La Jolla. I was with uh, Tony that weekend that he headlined La Jolla. He saw his name up on the La Jolla Comedy Store marquee, and he goes, huh, been thinking about that for a long time, and uh, I already have so many other goals now. It's just not even like a thing anymore. You yeah, know what I mean? It's not like it's cool, but it's like not it. like what you like. You think it's just going to be this glorious moment, like right name and flashing lights, all the all this stuff. But then you, by the time you are actually headlining there, right. you're like, and you see yeah, that, that makes sense. You see that they could barely fit the E on at the end <laughs> of the name. <laughs> Hinchcliffe's not exactly a marquee-friendly last name. <laughs> right. You see the sad E just wanting to jump off. There's <laughs> a suicide note in his hand. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's so true. But, I mean, there's been so many of them. All those times that, you know, when I'm... A big one's when I'm watching the roast... From live in the audience and the crowd, it's just, there's not a live show anywhere, like an actual taped roast and those people getting made fun of for the first time and 
and they're hearing it and uh and it's just the it's a rock show and to know to get to see some of my favorite actors and actresses and comedians and performers hitting the jokes that we went over that I knew would work you mm-hmm. know it's like there's a thing where no matter how good you get at anything it's still like trusting your vision is uh to when it when it comes through and it's true and it works out there's nothing better like it's like I had a feeling that would work yeah and, and it did. when it when it when it goes boom Mm-hmm. And you're like, I thought that was going to happen. It's just so rewarding because it makes you feel like a monster. Of course. It makes you feel like some kind of psychic is really it's what like it instant is. instant gratification on after yeah. you've written it. It's, it's sort awesome. of what being a, what's sort of what being a joke writer for other people is. is it's mm-hmm. like you have to really be able to guess mm-hmm. what is going to work for them. And it's its own sort of thing. But yeah, but that's always fun. It's always, I'm, al- I'm always sort of like, choked up at those things when yeah. it goes crazy and i know that it's going to be one of the most watched programs that year of comedy for anything and uh and it's good and everybody always says it's good everybody's always like wow that was a great roast oh, yeah. that was a great roast man bobbity bobbity ba and they love it so it's great now What's how a- go ahead oh no oh how did now how uh i'm just curious how did you get involved with uh with death squad because i feel like you are I mean, now you are one of their main guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got I'm um, one of the biggest podcasts on their network uh, with Brian Redband, and uh, Kill Tony's really taken off in the last, uh, is it 41 or 42 weeks now? Uh, tonight will be 43. That'd be 43. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, how did you get involved with that? Because it's, it's kind of, a, uh, for people who don't know what Death Squad is, it's kind of like a... It's kind of got its own cult following. Like it's very like it's like a very specific group uh, and style of comedians. Um, so how did you get involved with those guys? Well, you know, it's really interesting because that's another thing where first I was outside looking in, yeah, and it was Joe Rogan is and Joe Rogan and Brian Redman, who's excuse me, the founder of the Death Squad. Um, you know, there's Joe Rogan, and then there was his openers. So it was Red Band and Ari Shafir, who yeah. I've always looked up to and is amazing. Duncan Trussell, who I've always looked up to and is amazing. And Joey Diaz. And I feel like that's like the Mount Rushmore. And then there's Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer and all these other guys where it's like, these guys are monsters. And when I was starting out, it was just like, how do I get to be that cool? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, I... Brody was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So between my friendships with Brody and Ari, I I did a podcast with Brody that was really fun. His first ever podcast, the Brody Stevens Experiment. Oh yeah, and um and that was when I met Red Band and we just clicked and started hanging out and the rest is history. We did a lot of tours together and this and that, and he always had me on the Ice House Chronicles. It was an interesting approach, and in. I almost took a television style approach into podcasting because you know when you get your own tv show you do all these other tv things these campaigns you know you go on letterman and this and that and bobbity ba and all of a sudden you see him on kemmel and whatever but it i before i had my own podcast i was on the chronicles and i was on brody and i was on ari and Mm -hmm. i was on this and that and, and all these podcasts people listeners are like who is this guy uh, he doesn't even have a podcast so that by the time that I did have a podcast it was sort of like 
boom. Yeah. And just made sense by the time. Right. Yeah. And it was no secret that I just love stand up and that I like punching things up and making things funnier and sort of seeing what works for some people. So I wrote the format of my show around that, and it's a, it's a stand-up comedy fan's delight. Delight. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. Yeah, I've had uh, the uh, the pleasure of being a guest on there a couple times. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a great show. If uh, if um, Check that out, definitely, if um, you have uh, on the Death Squad Podcast Comedy Network, Kill Tony. And uh, basically, uh, open micers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, kinda, it's almost like a... Uh, an American Idol approach to comedy in a way where sort of except we don't judge them right there's no winner we just try to help them right whether it's by making fun of them or (laughs) uh, by helping their jokes you know whatever they they have it coming no matter what happens it's not always it's not always the person with the best jokes that doesn't get made fun of it's not the person with the worst jokes because sometimes they have a great premise you know, you could have a great joke with a great premise that needs a better tag, and I could have that tag. But if you're wearing a tank top and mesh shorts on stage, then you're going to hear about that too. You know what I mean? So it's it's a balance of everything. It's not just about the jokes. It's also just about how long they've been doing stand up. And there's always some little piece of advice or help or something that I can offer because yeah. I was once in the same position as any of them. Definitely. Yeah. Justin, awesome. Uh, wanna, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this will be the Hollywood bitch slap portion. Mm-hmm. You've been out here for a couple of years, so I'm sure you have one story where Hollywood has bitch slapped you. Mm-hmm. I uh, I actually bitch slapped Hollywood. Um, <laughs> wow, Hollywood this is a first. It easy. Powerful. It take, Tony yeah. Hinchcliffe. <laughs> 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 yeah, Hollywood. Uh, I sent Hollywood crying back to it uh no um it's been it's been really rough i'll tell you what i'll tell i'll tell you (laughs) i mean i i took a very interesting approach guys most people i don't even know if they can really relate to this but i really really was at bottom I didn't mind bottom because I enjoyed what I was doing so much that it didn't matter what I had. Mm-hmm. So I got I mean, this has to be it because it doesn't get any worse than this. You know, I, I had run out of money mm-hmm. and I had run out of money like for food, like food funds. Now all that out, steak money was just this gone. And, that. and all I had, yes. And all I had was this air mattress with a couple rinky dinky sheets on it. Like that looks, that's like a five star Hyatt setup compared to just a air mattress with a sheet and one slightly he's, thicker sheet. He's talking about my bed with the Spider-Man blankets on it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which looks really depressing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, all I had was this air mattress and one night um, I'm like hungry and I'm out of money and this and that and I'm laying on my air mattress and then all of a sudden I just... I'm laying there and I'm just at bottom, right? But still my life's pretty cool. But anybody else would have been freaking out. Yeah. I had zero money and I didn't know what I was going to do next. And I'm laying there on this air mattress looking up at the ceiling. And all of a sudden I hear... (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Is there a snake? Is it? And then sure enough, there's a hole in the air mattress. (laughs) And as I'm laying there, but I was so depressed at the time that I couldn't even get up. So I just slowly (laughs) Slowly sunk in the middle. 
<laughs> in the middle of this air mattress <laughs> in somebody else's living room, you know, so they could have walked in at any point and just been like, what is going on? <laughs> and it came out of nowhere. I, I'm guessing like maybe like a mosquito bit the air mattress or something. Like, I think it, that's the most unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> something happened. Something I, happened. I, Actually, you know what? I do know what it was. I found it. I found out when I was. Uh, I found out like uh, a long time later that uh, a girl's earring was was <laughs> stuck between the head part portion and the middle portion. Like this had like a this had like a it, it, this air mattress tried to make it seem like it was a normal bed, so it had like a bed. What do they call that? A head. A headrest. Headboard. Headboard. That's headboard. what it is. Like the back thing, but oh, it, wow. even that's made of air too. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, wow. Super, super sad. And uh, and an earring got stuck between there and there, so that's where it was coming from. And I couldn't seal it. I couldn't seal it. That was the crazy part. Now, did a girl sleep with you on the, the mattress, and that's why the earring, or were you borrowing it from somebody? That no, was... I, could, I could hook up with a girl on an air mattress, man. That's the kind of game I have. You have no idea how drunk you have to get a chick to get her back to an air mattress. Oh, my God. Is this a water bed? I'm like, no, baby. It's more technical than that. Who needs water? You got air. I, you know, I just use what the good Lord gives me. Right. <laughs> This One of the elements. Is, right, yeah. This Jeez, is. when you told me you wanted a blowjob, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> She's blowing up an air mattress. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> I'm about to explode. <laughs> So okay, so yeah, so when you're de- whenever you're deflating, that was like your moment of just like, man, this is. Oh yeah, it definitely doesn't get any worse than that. When so oh, what yeah. happened? F- I mean, I didn't have a car. Oh. My bicycle was broken. <laughs> I had no money for food. I had nothing. Nothing. Did something good hopefully happen within the next couple days? Immediately. The next the next day, Rowdy Roddy Piper called me and his first words out of his mouth were, Hey man, can I buy you lunch? And uh at that lunch he gave me all the advice that I needed to get everything that ended up working everything out. Wow. And uh and um he, he literally like down to exact specific advice for stuff that I had coming up with the TV show that hadn't started yet with, you know, just getting ideas out now and writing now for when it does happen. And this way, when I had the meeting for the thing and this and that, I already had pitching ideas and everything. So everything that he said the next day out of nowhere. So, you know, great villains cover each other and Rowdy Roddy Piper helped me out. But of course there was many a times where my mom helped me out a little, little thing here and a little thing there not much but because she's a tough one <laughs> she's a, she wanted me to work hard and get it so yeah. just little 20 dollar western unions here and there <laughs> western union by lunch you figure out tomorrow though exactly lunch is on me oh there you go cigarettes very good thanks mom 
Well, uh, dude, it's been amazing having you on the show. Thank um, you. Yeah. Can, uh, do you, you want to plug anything that's going on? Uh, yeah, uh, listen to Kill Tony on the Death Squad Network, guys. Um, and uh, come see a show in Hollywood sometime. Or follow me on Twitter at Tony Hinchcliffe, H plus inch, Cliff plus E. And I will come to your town and do stand up for you. How about that? And he's also got some amazing T-shirts available. That That's I'm true. actually currently wearing one right yes, now. It at, is it TonyHinchcliffe.com? Yep. Right. And the T-shirts are awesome. Have your friends ask you, hey, what's up with that shirt? And then you can be like, oh, I just know this comedian who's going to be like super famous. And <laughs> uh, I know about him first because I'm cooler than you, friend. That's what you can be like, listener of this podcast. You can sound like that <laughs> very enticing <laughs> best infomercial ever yeah don't you want to be cooler to your friends than buy this shirt actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for having me this is a great time dude thank you buddy for coming yep. by i love you and uh mom is is there anything you want to plug <laughs> no you you did enough thank you okay <laughs> Follow my mom on uh, on Facebook at Joy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> she would love that. Give her a little shout out. That's it. All right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>